Then you'll see people there in the pose, and by the time you tell them to come out, they don't want to move. They're right. just there, and they they kind of oh no, I just don't have, I don't <laughs> want to come into the rebound. I want to stay here. Yeah, yeah. Hello, and welcome to Good Moves, a podcast by Punchfast. On our show, we have wholehearted conversations with fitness and yoga studio owners to learn more about the unique ways they run their business and inspiring ways they live their lives. I'm your host, Claire. I ran a thriving yoga studio for eight years and have been part of the Punch Pass team for almost as long. We have so much to learn from each other. Let's jump right in. Welcome to Good Moves. Today on the podcast, we have Yaisa. Yaisa, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes. Well, my name is Yaisa and I teach yoga here in South Australia, just south of Adelaide on the Florio Peninsula. And I also run yoga teacher trainings mostly at the moment here and also once the borders open again hopefully we can start running them in bali and um, we had plans to also go even more overseas so hopefully that will start um, happening soon beautiful so i know that you've been teaching yoga for a while now can you tell me where it all started hmm how far back do you want me to go (laughs) as far as you'd like Um, I'll start with my first yoga class because that's, I suppose, where everybody's uh, yoga teaching journey starts. That was back in 2006, I reckon. I was living in Singapore at the time. I was working for a Dutch bank and I was working there as an expat and I was just going to a gym included in the gym membership was that you could take all the classes and there was this yoga class that was at the perfect time um, with my work schedule. So I went there, I think it was a Wednesday evening, and um, I thought, hey, wow. This is uh, harder than I thought. I always thought that yoga was easy and that was just, you know, the the cliche of sitting and oming and uh, chanting a bit. And this really changed my perspective. The teacher there was an amazingly graceful Chinese woman. She was tall. She was a dancer, I think, originally. And she could do the most amazing postures and she could talk at the same time and teach us. And so that was a really good experience on how Yoga can be elegant and graceful and calm combined with strong physicality. And I think that that attracted me to it. So I started practicing yoga more often. And uh, eventually I left Singapore and I moved to Egypt. I was going to take a sabbatical and be a scuba diving instructor for mm-hmm. a year. And I knew that the little village by the Red Sea where I was going to uh, to dive, there wasn't any yoga, any yoga teachers. So I brought some yoga videos with me or DVDs at the time. We Mm -hmm. didn't have YouTube and all that stuff. (laughs) So uh, DVDs. And I started watching those DVDs, practicing yoga. I got some friends to join because they, they, they liked what I was doing. And then we managed to get some more DVDs in. And uh, before we knew it, one of my best friends and I, we were kind of guiding this little group of students we weren't teachers and they weren't really our students, but we were right. just doing yoga together and everybody always turned to us saying, oh, oh, how do I do this pose? How do I do that pose? Because I think I was actually only one in the group who'd ever done yoga classes. Everybody right. else had just started there. So I think the seed was planted there. After a while, this friend and I, Daria and I, we started dreaming of maybe doing yoga retreats in so Egypt. had she done yoga before? Well, she, she was your friend prior to this. Yes. Correct? Yes. So this was her first experience with yoga was with you. Pretty much, and yes. And it got a hold on her in a similar way that it had a hold on you. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and whenever she would go back to Holland from Egypt, she would also practice uh, yoga, and we would go to Cairo, and um, there would be teachers there. Um, so we, we we started exploring yoga together, yep. and uh, eventually we we got to know Ashtanga yoga, and that was, I think, where we really got into the yoga practice, where we really mm-hmm. understood that it was more than just a physical practice and that there was a whole philosophy and a lineage sometimes to it. And we started dreaming of organizing these yoga retreats. We thought, well, before we can do yoga t- retreats, maybe <laughs> we should do some form of training. Probably. <laughs> rather than just watch, you know, Shivaria DVDs or something oh, I like that. I love her DVDs. <laughs> they were amazing. They were amazing. Yeah. She was amazing. Yeah. In the desert, because we were living in yes. the desert there. She so had the beautiful music and yeah. the beautiful landscapes. And yeah, I remember doing those too. They were incredible. Yeah, exactly. So you understand why we got, we got uh, you know, sort of Reduced by that yes. by that uh, kind of life, so we we ended up doing teacher trainings. I, uh, I we did them separately, but I did it in India in two thousand thirteen. I so always feel is... like you've been teaching for longer than that. You always seem like you have the wisdom of decades. <laughs> <laughs> well, it feels like it's been ages, but yeah, if you count the years, it's it's not that long. It's just that I really immersed myself in it. Yeah. Uh, after that, I did the teacher training. I came back to Egypt. And instead of diving, I, I started teaching full time. A couple of years later, we, my husband and I decided to move to Australia. So um, we did sort of a whole world tour to get to Australia. And in the meantime, I was teaching a little bit here and there. I had to stop for a while because we were moving from country mm-hmm. to country. And then when I came to Australia, I knew I didn't want to go back to a nine to five job. Was Singapore the last time you'd done that corporate work? Yes. Or did you ditch it after that? Yeah, I ditched it because I became a diving instructor and I very consciously then decided I did not want to go back to a yeah. nine to five job. But when I arrived in Australia, I was like, OK, I got to earn my living right. somehow but I don't want to go for a job I know I could I knew I could do admin or mm. hospitality or anything you know anything that anybody can do yeah. um, but I really wanted to um, to continue in the yoga business uh, so I um, I started teaching full-time I started teaching at uh, studios and I started uh, running my own classes so renting a little space and yeah I started building it from there so um, the 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 full time teaching or the the number of hours of teaching that I did in Egypt, I made sure I brought that down because that was a lot. You were doing. I remember talking to you once. Twenty classes a week. Yeah, I feel like yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think that's a, a maybe a rookie mistake. It yeah. was my first year. Uh, I was a bit younger and probably a bit fitter than I am now, <laughs> but still, uh, twenty classes a week wow. was a lot. Yeah. Um, I always have huge respect for school teachers who stand yes. in front of a classroom the whole day. And of course, teaching yoga is, is maybe a little bit more physical, but you're constantly focused on what yes. the students are doing. You have to carefully think about what you're saying. If you've got a sequence, you've got to remember the sequence. Yeah, but then you've got to adapt it to who actually showed up. I mean, I think that's one of the yeah. most challenging things is all the best laid plans. And then yeah. you get two pregnant people and, and someone who's it. never done yoga before and you're like, oh my goodness, what that's am I going to do now? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I remember my first class was like that. I was super nervous. I prepared, you know, probably took me four hours to prepare that sequence and I practiced it and I repracticed it and I changed it and I did it again and then it was perfect and then I walked in and that was this older gentleman that could hardly lift a leg. Yes. You know? So I had, to, I had to change everything around and it sometimes also happens the other way around. You prepare really really gentle class yeah. and then these people come in and they're like okay I'm you know I want to I want to sweat a little and they're like okay you've got to turn it into a more yeah. dynamic and a more spicy class so I 
all that effort and doing that 20 times a week, I think it was really a lot. How long did you sustain that for? I think for about nine months. Wow. How was your yeah. own practice? Did you, um, non-existent. Did go away? I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing. So the physical side, I mean, hopefully you, did you stay balanced through the teaching, do you think, from a physical standpoint or did? I think I was lucky that I had a really strong basic health. Yeah. So, um, and, and when you're teaching, you're moving. So at least I had that. Right. I wouldn't say that I was practicing yoga yeah. while I was teaching. Obviously, we never actually do our own yoga practice on the mat. No. But while we're teaching, but at least I moved. Yep. But I noticed that my own practice was really fading. I tried self-practice, but when you teach 20 classes a week, There's you no somehow don't have the time and the energy anymore to get on the mat yep. for yourself. And there were no other teachers. I was going to say, Still, yeah. sometimes going to another class at that yeah. point is a great thing to do, yeah. but there was no one around. There was no one around. I was the, That's why I was teaching so many classes oh because uh, when I got there, there were no teachers. We were doing the videos. And then when I did the teacher training, I came back. I was one of the, well, I think there was one other teacher. She was teaching uh, one class a week somewhere on the rooftop where I couldn't be because yeah. I was teaching at the same time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I after that, I actually went to Bali after that to recuperate. Yeah. And I think I went there for maybe six weeks or something. Wow. It took me two weeks to wind down mm -hmm. from teaching. I realized I could be a student again. That was great. This was when I was at the height uh, of my Ashtanga practice, or so that's when it started Ashtanga again. So you were teaching Ashtanga as like that was your main teaching focus. No, I was practicing it. So oh. I was, I was when when I left Egypt and I started and I went to Bali for that for that break. Mm -hmm. I re I picked up my Ashtanga practice again. Yeah, and that's when my my own Ashtanga practice really took off. And I didn't want to teach Ashtanga initially because I wanted to keep it as my own practice. Yeah, and also because I never went to Mysore, which is what you sort yes. of officially have to do to officially call yourself an Ashtanga teacher. Can you explain a little bit what's, what's Mysore? So in Mysore, that's the town in India uh, where the founder of Ashtanga Yoga, Patabi Joyce, started his uh, Ashtanga school. Mm -hmm. He became quite the quite the guru there is a whole other story to his um to his teaching nowadays unfortunately mm -hmm. in the in the whole me too um side of things yes. but he had lots of people coming there to train the way he was teaching which was self practice mm. so he he created uh, the primary series and then subsequent series and you are taught the series one posture at the time, practically. Yep. So everybody progresses at their own speed, at their own pace. You can start as a complete beginner who's never done yoga, mm -hmm. but you can also start coming from another yoga style, another yoga school. And you just um, uh, learn and get new poses uh, from the teacher, depending on your 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 body's condition, yeah. your mental condition. And... Uh, how do you feel about that approach now? Because I know when we first met, you were quite a strong advocate for Ashtanga. It was very much your baby, like you were, you know, referring to before. It was your practice and you yeah. held it quite close to your heart. Yeah. How does it sit with you now? You know, I, I guess when we look back on things, sometimes they look a little bit different. The Mysore approach, that idea of sort of graduating through the poses and getting, I don't know, it's always seemed a little strange to me, not bad, but just a little bit different than obviously what we see as yoga these days. How do you feel about that now? Do you feel like the Mysore style of the practice is still a good way to go? Yes and no. I think okay. the, the Mysore style as in the self-practice bit mm. 
is the way to go. I would love to have a, a way where we can teach classes where not everybody's doing the same thing yes, at the same like time. Yes, like an open studio. I've always wanted to do yeah. that. Just come and I'll be there. And yeah, if you exactly. want some support, I can help you. But exactly. if not, we'll just practice quietly yeah. together. Yeah, maybe you want to sit and meditate. Yes. Maybe you want to do did your you primer do that series. Did you at one point? I feel like you did that at one point. I tried it, but it's still in the back of my mind. Yeah. So it hasn't worked, but who knows? It's yeah. still there. May keep an eye out. <laughs> maybe <laughs> something's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, so I do think that that self-practice is is still the way to go mm -hmm. because, you know, all the lead classes, which is basically the only way we're teaching nowadays, is. is lead classes. They're never exactly right for everyone. Right. You know, some people will love it. Others will wish it was a little bit more strong. Others will wish it was a little bit more restorative. Yes. And some people have hip problems, but others have back problems. So how can you fit 20 people, even 10 people in one room with the exact same needs? Right. So that self-practice way, yes. But the rigidity and the, the dogmatic yes, way the of teaching of, it all. Yep. of the primary series I've kind of let that go. I still teach the primary series, mm -hmm. mostly nowadays half primary series is good. I like it, but you, I don't think you need to be so dogmatic about it. Yeah. I, I give lots of modifications. I, I sometimes throw in an, another pose to prepare for the next pose. I will linger a little bit longer here, a little bit longer there. So I'm not so militaristic as some people sometimes experience or think that Ashtanga is. Yeah. So I try I try to take the, the good elements out of the practice and then I've blended it into a slightly, slightly kinder, maybe more gentle yeah. way of bringing it, making it more accessible for yeah. people. But yeah. you still brand it and, and package it as Ashtanga yeah. and still feel quite strong that it is definitely an Ashtanga practice, not a flow or a vinyasa yes. or anything like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah Beautiful. Yeah. 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 What other styles are you teaching at the moment? Yin is is one of my favorites. And um, you came to Yin not so long ago. Am I right about So you were very, I mean, Ashtanga was your thing. And then like a lot of people, I think that did the stronger forms of yoga, Yin comes along and kind of smacks you in the face and goes, oh my goodness, here's this other thing that makes you feel good in a whole different way. Yeah. Is that what it was like for you? How did you find yin? Well, I actually discovered it in Bali as well. So there was oh, okay. a, quite so a while ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I started teaching it as one of the first styles when I came mm. here in Australia because yep. I had to choose what to teach as I didn't want to teach that many classes, but I wanted to give that variety of as course. well. Yeah. So I I think when I arrived here seven years ago, I started teaching Ashtanga and Yin. Those were the two styles. And I remember yep. back then there weren't many, many people teaching no. Yin here yet. I was pretty much self-taught in yin because mm -hmm. at the time there were no teacher trainings for yin available in, in Australia yet. So yeah. I, I was, I read all the Bernie Clark books, etc. And I started teaching it and I started loving it more and more. So whilst my Ashtanga practice was progressing in one way, my yin teaching was also progressing. Mm -hmm. And I think that kept each other wonderfully in balance. Yeah. I ended up doing a, a yin teacher training as well, eventually years after <laughs> I'd yeah. already been teaching. But they're quite and, clear about uh, that when the I did the yin teacher training and they were quite like, go ahead, figure yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's yeah. some ideas. Yeah. Go teach a class. It was Absolutely. very, very different to the other styles of yoga that I, yeah. I as a yoga teacher as well, yeah. where it's like, you must do this, you must do this, you must pose and then counter pose and do all this yeah. stuff. It was very, uh, I remember sort of leaving the training and having them, you know, have fun, it's, you know, it's, and all the people that sort of invented it as much as you can say that with a style of yoga are all very, go, 
you yeah. know, play with it, see yeah. what feels good, which I kind of, I really love. Yeah. I think it's such a great philosophy. Do you find your students go between the two styles? Do you have lots that mix and match or do you have lots yeah. that stay in their lane? No, no, I have a lot of people who mix and match. Yeah. So a lot of my students come to a lot of my classes, yeah. the variety of classes. I would say that especially the people who do Ashtang and Hatsa tend to come to Yin as well. Yep. But a lot of the people who do yin, you will never see them on the mat doing hatha or ashtanga or vinyasa. Yeah. So let's say it's people who don't necessarily are into sweating. My, yep. my own husband, for example, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he loves to do yin. It's uh-huh. really good for his back. Yeah. Um, it's really good for his joints. But yeah, I, I will never get him to do a warrior or no. a <laughs> fair enough too, <laughs> or a standing forward fold. Yeah, I have people that that do both, but people that do yin tend to like yin. Do you feel that, that do those people transition away from the other styles? I feel like a lot of people try yin class once and that's it. They walk away from mm. the stronger classes they've been coming to, or do a lot of them now come? I, I think. Yin used to be a hard sell. It was hard to describe yin, I yeah. think, and it was hard for people to understand. And I think as the years go on, people have a better understanding. Yeah. Are you finding that people have a better understanding now and know what they're coming to get and completely understand that it is that nice mellow flavour? I think it depends on who they practice yin with. Yeah. Because I think a lot of yin teachers are a bit afraid to teach the real, like, strong, deep yin. What do you see as strong, deep yin? Like holding dragon pose for five minutes. Okay. Or, you know, a wide-legged forward fold, seated forward fold, dragonfly without props. Without props. For a while. Okay. Um, a lot of yin teachers tend to turn it uh, more restorative, make it very restorative. Yeah. Because they're careful, cautious not to get people to go over the edge. Right. You know how we talk about the edge. Absolutely. Um, so in order to be just cautious, they will make it more restorative. So they will offer lots of props and they will offer shorter holds. So people who do that kind of practice Mm -hmm. with those teachers, maybe they will find it, uh, they will find the restorative practice in it that they're looking for versus the busy lifestyle that they have or or the maybe the running, the jogging, the cycling that they do or the swimming. Yeah. But people who do yin, like the more traditional yin, if you can call it traditional. I mean, you just, just said yourself, you know, any anything is possible. But let's yeah. say that the the way that Paul Grilly meant it for actually healthy people who had a strong, for example, Ashtanga practice to, right. to really open those joints more and get that, that fascia to release, that kind of yin practice is not so restorative. No. It's quite a challenge. It it's, is. And, and you have to be mentally prepared to to do that practice. Absolutely. So I don't think, at least my students, they really see it as a complement to their strong practice. So yep. they, don't, they don't stay with yin only. So people who do ashtanga, they feel they need the yin to compensate the ashtanga, but they don't just stick with ashtanga and don't uh, stick with yin right. and don't do ashtanga anymore or yeah. vinyasa or hatha. Yeah. There's something quite, I think, amazing when you hold a pose that you're familiar with for those extra couple of minutes because you think, you know, I take pigeon pose, for example, because it's a fairly common one. You know, you hold it for maybe a minute in a regular vinyasa class if you're mm. lucky at the end and it's a hip mm. opener and you think you understand what your pigeon pose is and what it feels like and what it does to your body. And then something happens when you hold it for a minute and a half and two minutes and three minutes and it's exactly. almost like it's a whole new pose exactly. every time. And exactly. I think it's such a beautiful way to rediscover your yoga practice because yeah. you've done pigeon pose 
a hundred, so a thousand times, yeah, times and you're yeah. like, okay, we're done now. Yeah. And you have that expectation in your mind, yeah. I think, of when it's going to end yeah. and what it's going to feel like and where yeah. you put your leg. And I just think, yeah, yeah, I, I completely understand why yin is taking off and why yeah. people are really, yeah. really spending that time. Yeah, yeah. And the mental benefits, I think, are amazing too, but they must be incredibly challenging, I think, for people to stay still for those five-minute holds. Do you find people getting kind of antsy and, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. and having can, a bit of a freak out? You can tell. So when I look I look around the room, like when I teach, I never practice. Right. I'm not, I never face down doing pigeon myself, but I'm sitting up and I'm checking on everyone. Yep. And you see the fiddlers, <laughs> you see the fingers, and then you see the ones who really can't get comfortable, so they're constantly shifting, moving. Yep. So those are the ones that you go and help. So those are the ones that have more of a physical uh, restlessness. Yeah. But then you have the people that are seemingly lying still and, and yeah, they're tapping their finger or their toe and uh-huh. they, they don't realize that they are not quiet somewhere, Some, somewhere in their bodies. Some days are better <laughs> yeah. than others, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You see that. But then you also see people, they're in the pose and by the time you tell them to come out, they don't want to move. They're right. just there and they they kind of, oh, no, I just don't have, I don't <laughs> want to come into the rebound. I want Five to stay here. Yeah, yeah. So you got the whole range. You yeah. got the whole range. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to ask you how that works with your online teaching mm. because I also know that you were a fairly reluctant adopter mm. of the online format. Mm, yeah, you're saying and now it you're... understated. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. now I might say that you're a bit of a passionate advocate for the online format. Can you tell me a little bit how that all came about? Uh, yeah, well, I um, it started with the C word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to keep teaching. I started teaching online classes, so live stream classes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to record classes, put them online and just not know what people were going to do with it. But I just connected to my regular students. I said, "Okay, we can do this via Zoom, via Punch Pass. Here you go. Here's the link. And um, and I'll see you on on screen. Beautiful. So I was always uh, adamant that I wanted to see the students Mm -hmm. because I know there were also yoga studios where they said, oh, if you don't want to turn your camera on, it's fine. I'm, I couldn't teach like that, just seeing a name on a black screen that, that I can't teach to that. Mm-hmm. So I, I always ask my students to have their videos on, even if I was only seeing, you know, the middle part of their body. So none, it wasn't about correcting their poses or it seeing was, where they're at. It was more about the connection. The connection. And you do get a sense of where their energy is at. Yeah. I might not see exactly how their feet are positioned or right. how they're hunching their shoulders or not, or you know, but at least I could see if there is if there was an issue if there right. is, uh, if they're getting tired. And over time, you kind of, if you know your students' bodies, you get a sense of, ah, she's always doing that. Yeah. Let me check. Yeah, I think I see that as well on, <laughs> yeah. on camera. So you can give them that cue straightening that leg a bit more, moving the knee a bit that way or that way. So I, I really wanted that connection. And so basically I taught my regular students live online. Mm-hmm. And then when we were allowed to come back into the studio, I had half-half. Some people started coming back. Some people um, came back uh, or stayed online. Uh, And then I had some overseas students as well, like connections, friends of friends, and some old students from when I was teaching teacher trainings abroad that joined me online as well. So some of those uh, stuck as well. But then I was teaching these online classes and I thought, well, maybe I should just record them and see what happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I started recording, yeah, me 
I've never recorded the whole class, no, so it's just me. Yeah. But it was always me teaching. So, uh, like, there is actual real students either in the shala or on screen. So I'm live teaching mm-hmm. to people. And that's what I was recording. And then I decided, okay, you know what? Some of my students can't make it to class all the time. I'll just put those recordings online for my students. Yeah. So I never made it public. So they're only accessible for my students. And, and then I got some nice feedback and they were really happy that they could do the classes in their own time. And it's not tons of students. Right. But even if I make five, 10, 20 people happy with it, totally. I'm happy. Yeah. You know, the more people I can get on the mat, the better. Yeah. So, yeah, I started kind of that that solid icy attitude that I had towards <laughs> <laughs> online is now melting. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm now using the Punch Pants content library to not only make the classes accessible for people who are my regular students, but mm-hmm. I've slowly started building a collection of classes that I think are uh, good for students that don't know me right? to also follow the class. So you've deliberately created content now that is at a level where you would feel comfortable for anyone watching and anyone giving it a try rather than your more experienced students? It's work in progress. Yeah. Um, I'm still not entirely happy because my way of teaching is I'm I'm not much on the mat. Right. I move around a lot or I might be standing on my mat, but I'm looking at the students and I'm not yeah. demoing the pose. So somebody who doesn't know me yeah. might be like, what am I doing <laughs> what here? What is she right? talking about? So I, uh, and then I walk off my mat and do physical <laughs> adjustments, which yeah. is like totally not suitable for for uh, for recordings. So yeah, I've slowly started creating a collection of classes where I don't do that too much. Mm-hmm. Plus, and this is the fun bit that I've just started with <laughs> recently, I've started doing my own classes. So I'm recording myself doing yep. my own class that I've recorded previously. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, I'm creating my own demo, basically. Oh, okay. So rather than yeah. doing while you're teaching, you actually inceptionized it. Yeah. So you do it in two different ways. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. So I teach a class and yeah. at the end of the class, I think, oh, that was actually a nice class. But as usual, <laughs> I'm never teacher. on my mat. So I'll, you know, the next day or the next yeah. week, I'll, I'll play it and then I'll do it myself. So I've done this in, in you know, one of the studios where I teach or uh, uh, just this nice space. And then I record myself and then I overlay it. I do a bit of editing in That's iMovies fantastic. and then I have me and me teaching a class. So that <laughs> so. for you is better than getting the hang of, not getting the hang of, because I don't mean to say it like you're lacking if you can't do this. It's obviously a choice. But that to you is preferable to deciding you're going to do the poses while you're teaching. Doing the poses while you're teaching is not really an option for you while no. you're in that position. No, some of the poses are, but right. then it would take away from what I'm offering the students that are, that that are in, in the shala or online at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you see some of the older recordings uh, where o- people were only online, yeah. you see me teaching a, an Ashtanga class and most of the time I'm staring at the screen. Like this. <laughs> Looking around all the little corners <laughs> and talking, I'm there. talking, I'm counting, I'm yeah. doing all the, all the stuff and I'm not demoing anything. Yeah. I'm just looking at the students. Because when you self-practice, and that's yes. the whole Ashtanga bit, you don't need to look at the teacher. Because no. you're self-practicing. And there's something nice yeah. about that with the voices. And going back to what we were saying about Shiva Ray before, I actually used to do yoga based on her CDs. Yeah. She had these CDs that she had and yes. you would, you'd pick the track listing yes. and you'd yes. say, I want one, four, five, seven and nine and exactly. you'd press play and you'd just do it with the sound of her voice. And that's such a yeah. beautiful thing to do once yeah. you get the hang of it yeah. is to be able to do yoga in that way. And I've had students come to classes and close their eyes or yeah. never look at me once. Or, yeah. And yeah. I think that's great. It's such yeah. a beautiful thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing the teacher training too. I want to talk to you about that because I want to talk to you about what you're telling your teachers that graduate at the moment, what sort of things you're 
I don't know, I guess advocating for them and encouraging them as they go out into the world. Tell me a bit about your teacher trainings and how Mm. you approach them. Oh, well, our teacher trainings are multi-style. That's to start with, because I think there is not just one one style of yoga that's suitable for you or for your students for the rest of your life. And you don't want to dilute them and mix them all together and make them into a... One blend. One blend. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. I do, because I do like some of the traditions and some of the lineages. There are, there is value in each of them. Absolutely. So in our teacher training, we introduce as far as I didn't know them already, introduce these styles to to the students. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do hatha. We start with hatha, hatha yoga, but the traditional hatha yoga, mm-hmm. not the, the gentle flow that they call hatha now, but the yep. actual more traditional way. And then uh, they move on to ashtanga mm-hmm. and then they move on to vinyasa. So that's okay. the three main styles that we teach, but we also run uh, them through a bit of yin mm-hmm. and a bit of restorative. Beautiful. This is, I'm talking about the the, the, the the technical aspects of the practice, the philosophy of it, the lineage, the mm-hmm. history, and the, the uh, in terms of practice, they get a much, much bigger experience because we give them also yin-yang classes. Uh, we, um, we do, I don't know, for example, myofascial release. Okay. Uh, so we, wow. in terms of practice, they do a lot more, but in terms of how much theory we give them, these are the styles mm-hmm. that we we talk uh, about and by making it multi-style i think one of our biggest intentions is also to make it as accessible as possible for everyone right so we've had people doing our teacher training that were super fit strong healthy mm-hmm. to a woman that was a uh, paraplegic three years prior to doing wow. the teacher training she'd had um, damage to her spine so she couldn't walk three years mm-hmm. before when she came into the teacher training, she walked in with a cane just to help her on the dodgy bits wow. uh, of floor. But she did the teacher training, of course, with modifications. Of course. Uh, amazing, amazing person. But we also had a 71-year-old uh, lady. That's awesome. Just recently did a teacher training with us. Uh, we've had everything. And do you um, find most of them go on to teach? Or are you finding people are doing the training just to deepen their own knowledge and their own practice? Or 50-50? Yeah, well, everybody 50, does 50. it. Yeah. Everybody does it to deepen their own knowledge. Of course. But I think at least 50% of our students have gone on to teach. Some of them have become even full-time teachers, mm-hmm. like running their own studios yeah. or uh, their own classes. Others just do it, you know, one class Here on a Saturday or, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, that's uh, that's really nice, really nice to see. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So they've been on hiatus for a little bit, but you're coming back this year with the training? We've run teacher trainings here in Adelaide yeah. all the time. We've been lucky here that we've Just been able to do weird. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Somehow the planning was always okay, so we didn't have uh, any major lockdowns, but we had to put them on hold in Bali. Yeah. So when we started in Bali with the teacher trainings, I say we because it's my friend Daria, mm-hmm. who I mentioned earlier, and I, we started the the teacher training school together. She's based in Bali now. She lives in Bali. So we were running them in Bali. Those were intensives. So one month's teacher trainings mm-hmm. here in, in Adelaide. They're part-time because people won't really travel to yeah. come here and be one month in Adelaide. So no. we, we run it more for the local, the local students, the local population. Do you find one format better than the other? Do you prefer one over the other? It's it's different, but they're both good. Yeah. 
And I think um, just like yoga, there is not one <laughs> one style fits all. Right. I think also not one type of training fits all. Some people like to get away from their home and uh, and immerse themselves one month um, in Bali or Thailand or wherever they yeah. do it and do nothing else. Others, they need time, more time to process. Yeah. So they need to go home. They need to sit on it. They need to reread. And yeah. then they're happy to come back two weeks later to do the next module. Yeah. So, yeah, there Different is strokes. something for yeah everyone. There. Definitely. Yeah. So what's next? What's happening? Oh, well, in terms of trainings, uh, Daria and I are working on our 300 hour. Awesome. So it's in the very, very early stages. That's so. a huge undertaking. Yep. So you start yes. that from scratch. You just yes. figure it out. And, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, of course, within the requirements of, of the Yoga Alliance, because we are Yoga Alliance registered, but the, the 300 hours can be... There's even more freedom within the 300-hour mm -hmm. formats than the 200 hours. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we we have been trying to put so much content in our 250-hour teacher training. Actually, our 200-hour already became I was going to say, you've already pushed it out. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we're like, yeah, we can't keep on, you know, putting more and more stuff in <laughs> no. that training. So well, we're, we're going to have to sort of cut it down there and then create a, an advanced training. So that's what we're doing. Everything that we can't put in the 200 or 250, we, we're putting it in 300. Yeah. So that's a big project. But I don't think that's going to happen um, before another year, at least. But that's we... kind of good timing, though, because you'd have a lot of students from your previous teacher trainings who might be coming around to the idea of deepening again yeah. and coming back again. So exactly. that's perfect. Yeah, that's the plan. And 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 also we ourselves need to mature into it as well. Of yeah. course, you want you want to make sure that what you're putting down on paper, that you're ready to teach it, not just the presentations, but also the delivery. Right. So it, it involves training yourself as yeah. well. In that and and that's actually what I love about teacher trainings. I get to learn by preparing yes. for the teacher trainings. Well, it's a bit like teaching yoga too. Yeah. Same sort of thing. You practice your sequences and you learn a lot more exactly along the way. Yeah, it's an yeah. amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing. And yeah, I'm going to continue building that that online library collection because I'm going to go away again this this winter, Australian winter. I'm mm -hmm. going to go three months to Europe. So hopefully in that time, I can keep some of the students uh, going yeah. with, with that library. And um, yeah, that self-practice thing we were talking about. <laughs> How's that going still, at the moment? Yeah, really? yeah I, I still have, uh, I want to create a community. The space where I'm teaching south of Adelaide and Aldinga Beach, it's got, we get together there sometimes, the owner of the property and I, we sit for meditation mm -hmm. and we invite other people to join us as well. And we kind of want to expand that. I want to expand that into maybe a practice yeah, time so that people can come in, sit or meditate yeah. or, or do yin or So or, like a Mysore, uh, or a Mysore vibe, but yeah. without that, yeah, more of an open studio kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful idea. And I think yeah. that as people are coming out of these lockdowns and this time when they've had to be indoors and away from other people, we're all just kind of thinking about all the things we missed out on and yeah. ready to get out there again. I mean, yeah. online practice is phenomenal, don't get me wrong, but there's something about being in a room with a yeah. whole bunch of people breathing that yeah. Is, yeah. sounds really scary actually now that <laughs> I say it out loud, but it's actually incredibly magical. And I think we all need to, it's going to be a process to make that transition mentally as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, getting like, comfortable in rooms with people, connecting yeah. that as well. Instead of that yeah. feeling like a really stressful environment yeah. where we should all be worried about whether you know, we're going to get yeah. sick or yeah. that sort of thing. It's been a really 
yeah. interesting process, I it think. It has, yeah. Do you feel like you've supported your students through it as well? Like through the online classes and things like that, has there been an element of... Yeah, I I, ha- I hope I have. I, yeah. I think I have. I, I have been getting nice, really kind feedback from, from some of the students yeah. writing to me that they really appreciate that they can still do the classes. And yeah, I get I get messages that they that they've helped that my classes have helped them help them through some difficult times. Yeah. So but I'm I'm sure that most yoga teachers have had that have been able to reach out to to their students. If yeah. you've managed to continue teaching somehow, I'm sure you're everybody's uh, had had even if you only make one person if you reach out to one person Absolutely. and help them that's that's I think worth it already yeah and so, I think we had yeah. a lot of people like you as the teacher but also as the student very reluctant to do an online class mm. and there are people out there that never will yeah you know, and they yeah, say yeah. it quite Absolutely. clearly they're like I will never yeah. never sorry not for yeah. me yeah but I think there's people that maybe started out that way and then yeah softened that approach yeah. and went look I'm going to give it a try and then it became a really really valuable part yeah of their experience yeah. and whether yeah. they keep doing it or whether they run back to the studio as soon as the doors yeah. are open yeah. or maybe some combination. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have I have students that I thought, oh, oh I'm sure they'll drop off when, as soon as they can go back to the studio, yeah. but they're still doing no. things online. So it's, it's a beautiful uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And I think the more options you can offer, yes. the better. And it, it doesn't matter. They don't have to be your choice all the time. I mean, I wouldn't do online classes all the time, no. for sure. But yeah. but to be able to choose yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And and same with the n- type of styles or the types of yoga that you offer. Also, yeah. if you give variety there. Um, you stick you with your it... favorites, but sometimes you get forced maybe to try something new as well, which yeah. I think is kind of a good thing. Yeah. And there's a bit more freedom to do that online as well. If you hit play on a video and five minutes later, you're like, ooh. Yeah, I've certainly done that a few times. Like, oh no, yeah, that nope. is not the vibe nope. for yeah. today. We're going to try another yeah. one. Yeah, sometimes it's just the voice. Yeah, sometimes like, no. it's, uh, yeah. it's not going to work for me at all. Yeah, yeah. No, so good. absolutely. Yeah, it's been a weird period, but I've learned a lot from it as a teacher, as a student. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming in and joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you ah, again. Yes, thanks Thank for having you, me. Thanks, Claire. If you'd like to learn more about any of the guests that we've featured on the show or about Punch Pass, you can head to our website at punchpass.com.